Hey, witches, don't forget to register for That Witch Life Minicon, a one-day virtual conference on April 1st. We still have a few spaces available, but they are going fast. Kanani is teaching a workshop on cauldron magic. I am teaching a class on shadow magic with a special workshop by Naja Lightfoot and a master class with Fiogade Parma. Plus, there will be rituals, raffle prizes, and more. And yes, all workshops are recorded, so if you can't make it on the day, you'll get all of the recordings later. Register today at thatwitchlife.com, and we'll see you on the first. The path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. It's a very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and fun things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and the role of the witch is to make change. Let's be, y'all. Let's be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Twenty years ago, three young friends realized they were witches. They scattered to different parts of the world, following magic and spirit. Now, they're back in their hometown to share what they've learned. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast, your home for living as a witch in today's world. <laughs> So, Corey, we're about to do the countdown, one, two, three, clap, but I only have one hand, so I'm just going to say clap really loud. And yeah, the why don't we just all clap. say clap? We'll just we'll all say, say clap. clap. So it's. I was going to say, I'm balancing my mic on my knee, so I also only have one hand, so. <laughs> wow, we're a fucking mess. What is the sound of one witch hand clapping? Not this. <laughs> I was going to say, I can slap myself this. in the face. But I don't really, I'm not feeling that right now. Oh, no, no. We, we, you definitely should do that. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure tempted to tell Corey to leave this in. We should tell Corey to leave this in. We should just leave this in. All Sad. right, leave us in. I guess we're starting from here. Anyway, we'll still do it because we said we would. Okay, ready? Uh, three, two, one. Clap! 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 <laughs> Oh my Sad god, panda! That's the sound of angels crying. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to that Witch Life podcast. Um, I'm Hillary. I'm your host today, and I'm joined by two complete fucking maniacs, uh, Courtney and Kanani, uh, who are my co-hosts today. Hi, You're I'm have to Courtney. Give me a second. You're gonna have to give me a second because my daughter has a frozen corn dog that she's sticking in my face. Asking me how long she needs to microwave corn dog. We've discussed this before about how Kanani's daughter, Soleil, really believes she can run the household and the world until Kanani comes to record the podcast. Then she is completely incapable of using the microwave or anything else in the house. Oh, yeah. She interrupts the podcast like five times of episode. Now dancing with said corn dog. She finds this hilarious. I do not well, find it hilarious. It's better than a penguin in your pants, which somebody else I oh. know, her mother I mean, used to dance with a penguin in her it, pants. It was a good look. I mean, <laughs> what else do you do with a penguin but put it in your pants and start to dance around? I don't know. There is an illicit video of Kanani and I dancing to Crystal Waters um, back in the eighth grade, and one of the moments involved Kanani stuffing a giant stuffed penguin in her pants oh my and dancing God. around the room. It was, uh, that's yeah, pretty funny. it happened, and it's on video. All and of these things are true. And the good news is, it's VHS, and we're pretty sure it got thrown out at some point. So <laughs> I want to say that, but I actually found a copy. So no, you did not. I do. I actually have. Can you please run that over with your car. Copy. No. 
Oh, run it over. Yes, I thought you meant run it over to your house. I'm like, no, no, no I don't want to see said it. Thing. I'm like, please no. put it under the wheel of your car and run over it several That's times. Fine. That I can do. I can accomplish that goal. Okay. Anyway, no, Hillary. Mostly even you don't because get to see this. I've watched the video, and that's actually the least embarrassing thing that I do on the video. So, for that reason, that that's one of the more classy things that I do on the video was dance with the penguin in my pajama pants. We also made boobs out of bread dough. That happened too. We filmed that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It was that a pasta dough? We were trying to make pasta. Oh, I, who was who let us alone with anything? I, I, I mean, I, even I, our friend Lyman Flanco, who's probably the most disturbed friend that we have, Lyman Flanco was disturbed by this video and said he needed therapy. I do therapy. believe yes, in high because this happened. This was a middle school video, <laughs> and so Lyman in high school, we thought we would force to sit through it, and even he was he was aghast and horrified <laughs> at. At the things that took place. And it was, uh, yeah. But I will say there's one really sweet moment in that video that just goes to show that despite all of Kanani's caustic attitude on the show, she is a very good friend because I had a really nasty planner's wart at that time. Um, and at some point, like I just stepped on it wrong and I was like, I fell down and I was crying out in pain. And all the other girls at the party who were on the video started laughing at me. And Kanani went and sat down and was really sweet and was making sure I was okay. I remember so, that. That, that actually like does once, exist on said video. I know. There is a, there is there a very is evi- There is evidence of kindness out in the world. <laughs> and now Kanani's sure to go run over the video with yeah. her car. <laughs> right? Exactly. Now that I recall, like, no. Yeah. Kanani's like, no. I can't this let everyone so, know. So against my brand. No. No. <laughs> Don't ruin your exactly. everything I have worked so hard for for the last 20 years. No, we can't allow this out in the world. <laughs> and it's funny because the truth is, is Kanani's like one of the nicest people on the planet, but we don't want to ruin her brand. No, <laughs> don't fuck this up for me. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Oh my <laughs> God. Well, uh, I did. I did last. I did. Well, it wasn't weekend. I can't, I keep thinking of what I did over the weekend. Um, but I actually last week I got to see Nugget. Yes, she came over and saw Nugget, Hillary Eunice Nugget Hoover Jr. And, yes, um, yep. <laughs> Nugget Nugget is a big Auntie Kanani fan. Yes, there was lots of snuggling, and at one point I the I pictures actually are so made, cute. Oh yeah, there was lots of that, and uh, Kanani was was continuing to replace Nugget's sock, who decided that socks were not her thing and kept removing her socks. And Kanani was like, well, that's not going to happen here. And so there was yeah, like- I'm not having that. That's my, that's one of my mom quirks is babies must be wearing socks. The idea of a baby's foot being cold literally devastates me and will get oh me to God. cry hysterically <laughs> and uncontrollably. I wish I was joking. I'm really not. Baby, they need socks. I just, it's one of my, I have, a, that is my weird mom quirk is, is, the children being cold. I can't handle it. It freaks me out. Like my children wear long, they're the only kids that wear like long johns under their school clothes with their winter jackets, with their beanies, with their hats. Like, you know, I understand some people will let the the, the whole let your kid go because they just, you don't want to fight with them over a jacket. I will fight to the death. We will have Thunderdome (laughs) in this house if that is what is needed because you are not leaving unless I feel like you look warm to me. Unless I feel like you look warm, it's on. It's fucking <laughs> battle bots happening right here in the living room. I, I, I'll throw down. It's, 
It's my mom quirk. That's the thing. Uh, I'm so lazadaisical about so many things, but that one thing, there is no budging. There is no no budget. There is (laughs) no budging. No budging. Oh, you said budging. I heard budget. I'm so tired. Yeah, I thought no, you said but, budget too, and I was like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. But I'm, I'm like, also way like too much into mom brain. Exhausted. I've been like all you over the place. Different one cities. more time, I will end you. <laughs> I will end you. He's not Why on. Why would you use that in the microwave? <laughs> oh my oh, god. Please. I can't. Use the microwave. I will end you. How many? You're not as mean as your mother. Get out of here. I will lock the door. How many? Use the microwave. All right, enough. Take your cat and leave. Both of you. I will end you. All right. We have now we now have uh, uh, audio proof that Konami threatens her children's lives on a nearly hourly basis. And how little they care. She's literally rolling her eyes. She's like, yeah, mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. How long again? How long do I use the microwave? What are we talking about today? Read it on the box. We're really excited because we have Monica Devane coming back on our podcast. Yes. Uh, And Monica's amazing. And she's going to be here talking to us about butterfly magic, which I am real pumped about. Um, Monica, I threaten my children because she's wonderful. She's an incredible mother. I don't want her to know (laughs) how she's singing. But she's also very supportive of other mothers' parenting choices. So she's probably going to be supportive. Excellent. It's true. Thank you. It's true. <laughs> She's like, I wouldn't threaten my children, but clearly it's working for you. Right? Exactly. Um, Courtney, I think we had a listener question. Yeah. Let me. Yeah, we did. And so our listener questions, we've, we've been having a hard time getting them into the shows over the last few months because we've had such incredibly <laughs> rich conversations with our guests that we just run out of time because we just keep talking to them. So because we are just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a really good question. And we get one similar to this periodically. Um, and so this one is suggestions, ideas for a solitary dedication ceremony. I'm trying to put one together and I'm just starting to think about it in a more official way. So any and all ideas welcome. What do we think, friends? A solitary dedication ceremony. I mean, I'm assuming here's me just like, okay, so what what are we dedicating to? What are we dedicating for? I'm Yeah, like that's yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb and think this is probably someone dedicating to the path of witchcraft, yeah, um, or paganism, or just a magical, you know, magical existence, or they're dedicating to their their to like essentially their spiritual magical path. So I'm going to just go with that. Um, I mean, to me, it feels like thinking really clearly about what that means for you to dedicate. Um, I always tell people don't dedicate your entire lifetime. Like I dedicate my life to you up front. It's kind of like marrying somebody on the first date, which I know we've all heard love stories of somebody, people that got married on the first day, but most people that do that were drunk and they get divorced very quickly after that. Yeah. So just, you know, understand that that's, that's kind of what it would be like to just dedicate your entire life and your entire purpose to witchcraft and magic on the first go. Um, Think about though, what it means is it that I'm going to, um, I'm calling myself a witch. And so therefore I embrace this path. Um, Is it, making a commitment to a number of rituals. Um, you know, I think that's where you really want to start is what does the dedication mean to you and what is it, what's its purpose? Yeah. And I think, you know, um, I mean, I guess it also depends on like 
what have you done so far? Like, have you, like, for instance, if I was starting from zero, if I was like, this is what I want to do, but I didn't have a regular practice. Um, you know, one of the first things I would do is set up an altar and have that be part of that, like, like put the intention of what I wanted in following this pathway into that setup. Um, as well as, you know, I think, I mean, I, I agree. I, it would be committing to what you, uh, are wanting to do or like what you are. So like, as Courtney said, I think, you know, if that's like doing a daily, a small daily thing or a weekly thing or a monthly thing, whatever it is that you are building in your practice, um, you know, but, but I do think it's important to, again, like be somewhat sustainable with that because we're not going to want to, you know, you're not going to want to be in a situation where you're over committing to something. Or as Courtney said, you know, if you're just now, you know, going down this path, you don't want to be in a situation where you're like, oh, I'm giving, giving my entire life to this thing. Like, you know, because part of, I think, I mean, at least in my experience and I, and I, and I know the the two of you as well is that like, my practice has changed dramatically and continues to change. Like, you know, it shifts as I shift and grow and change and my approaches grow and change. So, um, you know, again, I don't know. I, I am also assuming that it's to the path of witchcraft and not to like a deity or to a particular thing. But I would say, you know, sketch out what you're like, you know, like what you're wanting from this, like what, you know, what your goal is in that. Is that like, again, coming out and like, you know, owning the title, which is that, you know, dedicating yourself to a certain, you know, schedule of, of practice. I don't know. But yeah, I think just starting like carving out a space to do that work would be helpful. I'm trying to focus right now and I'm trying to get the vision of my daughter dancing and laughing at me while waving around a frozen corn dog out of my mind. Because that's all I'm seeing right now and have been seeing for the last five minutes. Um, okay. Coming back. It's stuck. It's like in there. It's like a bad movie. Anyways. Okay. Honestly, what I would say is I like everything that everyone else said that actually had merit and value. Um, what I would suggest for something like this, if it's something that's personal and it's something that's, sol that's solitary, meaning like when you say that, it makes me feel like it's you're the only person that's going to be there. That's kind of what I picture when someone says you're doing a, a solitary dedication. Um, I would almost make it like, almost make it like a date night, but like, in other words, but do it, do what you want, do what you like, right? Like have the wine that you like or the drink that you like and the candles that you like and the scents that you like and the kind of ambiance that you like do it somewhere very comfortable and, and, you know, write down your intentions and go through your intentions and really enjoy the moment and kind of have some fun and some peace with the moment and just be very thoughtful in the moment about what it is that you're wanting to dedicate to. And I am a huge fan of the whole year and a day concept where you want to try, if there's something that you really want to focus yeah, totally. on, giving yourself a year and a day. Um, I'm a huge fan of that. I think that that's really cool because a year and a day is not it shows commitment. Um, cause you know, it's, it's a while, right. But it's not anything that's so insane that no one could do that, you know, or like it, it just, it's, it's doable, right. It is, a, it, it's a commitment, but it's not a, 
ridiculous commitment that is going to be really, really hard to achieve. So I would say do something that's just, that's fun, that's comfortable, that's meaningful to you, that puts you in a really good place and makes you feel good. And where you can be really thoughtful about what it is that you're dedicating to and focused on it and, um, and, and do it, you know, use that kind of year in a day concept of for the next year in a day, this is what I want to work on. This is where I want my focuses to be. This is what I'm going to be aspiring for. This is what I'm looking for. And then just kind of move, you know, move from there. But that's kind of how I would picture it. If it's something you're doing for yourself, um, is, you know, make it a really enjoyable, fun, memorable experience. And like I said, use the candles that you like and the scents that you like, burn the incense you like, just really set the mood and the ambiance to something that, you know, puts you in a very grounded, thoughtful, um, you know, mental place that will allow you to focus and, you know, just kind of really think about what you want to do and really put that energy out and, you know, maybe carve a candle or something like that, or write on a candle um, and anoint that candle as your dedication candle that you can then maybe burn once a month or something like that for the next, um, for the next year and a day as kind of a reminder of that moment and that dedication and, and that desire and drive that you had, um, things like that. So yeah, having a practical thing that you, yeah, that you can dedicate to, like Kanani said, I'm, I'm dedicating, I'm going to be lighting this candle on a certain basis, or I yeah. plan to do rituals every full moon. I plan to honor the Sabbaths, but, um, definitely keep it something that's, that's sustainable. Even if you feel like you're not doing very much, you can always add stuff to it, but it's really hard. And that's, that's like the one hard and fast rule that I have with, with witchcraft when it comes to working with spirits is like, don't make promises you can't keep because they'll fuck you up. They really will. Right. Just don't. You have to be realistic. With, um, you know, the Goodreads reviewers for that saying, they say, well, that's, she's just saying the gods are punitive. And I'm like, if you've read mythology, you'll know that's true. You know, that's like um, literally documented. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So just like, I always feel, keep it simple. You can always add to it, but it's really, it's, it's impossible to double back once you've committed to something. I mean, read my Bridget book and you'll hear how she fucked my life up until I wrote the book. So there you go. (laughs) And good luck. Yay. And good luck. Yeah. I mean, that's exciting. Whatever, you know, I know that whatever you do, um, you know, will be wonderful. So just like, take that and enjoy your journey. This is like an exciting time, uh, that first place of exploration, have fun. Um, do we have any other questions? Well, we did actually have something in our T Oh, probably ought to mention that if, if our listeners have questions, they want us to answer on the show, you know, email us that which life podcast at gmail.com. Also feel free to respond. If you have thoughts or insights, or even if you want to argue with us about other people's questions and our feedback, cause we, it's just more education and we're happy to share it. But we do have some really, um, in our TWL witch squad is where a lot of our really rich conversations happen around witchcraft and just living a magical life. And, um, had a really good one just last week. Um, you know, we're actually recording this on the spring equinox on Ostara. Um, so it may seem like it's not that seasonal to discuss snow magic. However, we've been getting like here in the United States, we've been getting snowstorms way into March. So it's not totally offbeat. And this question was only posted in our squad just a few days ago. 
And it says, as I am mesmerized by the flakes of yet another winter storm, I am wondering if I should go collect some of the falling snow and save the water. Thinking it might be good for trance magic, I certainly keep getting hypnotized by it and remembering how trippy it is to drive at night during snowstorms. And also for defense magic, maybe? What do you guys think about using snow, melted snow and, and spells? Have you done that? I have never done that. I don't think I have, I have um, not done it, but that's because we don't have, we don't have snow that lasts. We well, really this here. year. Like, we- <laughs> yeah. I mean, but we get generally snow, speaking, but it's usually yeah, like, yeah. two weeks, right? Where yeah. you're used to it and you're like, Oh, let me go collect some. You know, where you're thinking about it. It's more like, ah, it's here. When is it going to go away? And then two days later it's gone. Um, but I like the idea. I think that for that person in particular, right? Like I don't, I don't necessarily know if it would work for me for trans magic, but, um, but if it, if, if your personal reaction to snow is something where it feels very trance like for you, then I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it's a fantastic, um, kind of tool and resource for you to use for that, you know, um, for me, when I think of snow, I think of how it makes things quiet. So if I were to use snow for magic, I would probably try and use it to, if I wanted to kind of like quiet a situation or calm a situation, I find snow, it kind of reminds me of quiet and calm. So I, but I think if, but if you find it meditative or you find it very trance-like or, you know, you, it brings out certain emotions within you then I think that it can be a really good catalyst if you then use that as, as part of a spell uh, with whatever you're trying to do. And then you can just, you know, put it in, you know, put it in your freezer and then take it out whenever you want to use it. I, I love that idea. I think it's a great idea. I mean, or I, you know, I think that, well, I mean, here's the thing, like um, I agree. I mean, snow for me, I also am somewhat mesmerized by it, but I think it's more the stillness. Like when you go outside and it's just so, so, so quiet. Yes. yes. Um, and so to me, and again, it's going to be totally different. If snow to you represents, you know, someone might think snow represents nightmare. Someone might think snow is quiet. Some, you know, like, but if for you, what snow represents is that trance or stillness, I see no reason why you couldn't, catch, you know, get, save some of it and then save the water and utilize it in the, in a spell jar. I don't see why you couldn't do that. Just know that like, yeah, you may, you may want to freeze it. And the reason I say that is because it will water like from the rain will go gross real fast. Oh yeah. I've made that mistake. So if you, (laughs) me too. So, um, so if you're wanting to, um, to use it for later, I mean, if you want to just jar it and then, you know, and then use it soon. That should be fine. Keep it in your fridge or whatever. But um, otherwise I would freeze it. Um, and then you could always melt it to use, but that way it wouldn't go super gnarly and get, cause you don't know what, I mean, I, you wouldn't want like Narnar going in your spell jar. Narnar like, spell. Narnar spell jar. <laughs> no well, one wants this person, it. This person also said that they were thinking about using it for defense magic. And I think it's, that's actually a great, <clears throat> Excuse me, it's a great idea because um, snow is a natural protector. Um, one of its roles in the ecosystem is to protect 
plants because it actually keeps the ground warm, which is counterintuitive, but it's it keeps the ground warmer than, say, a hard, dry freeze. So there is a protective element of snow. And also snow can be very dangerous and treacherous. Like if you had a giant snow bank around your house, it'd be really tough to get through it to get yeah, to you. Seriously. Yeah. So um, I think that for defense magic, yes, I think there is a role there. Uh, part of me wants to reflect on this further. Like, would it though keep you too isolated? Um, it's, you know, so, but that's, that's just, I think there may need to be some kind of, um, work with the snow, like, cause snow is not a gate. It's not used to being open. Like if you build a snow bank, it's going to stay there until it melts. Um, and so I think you also want to keep a time on it. Like, does it, do you allow it to melt in the, like melt? Does you allow the spell to melt in the springtime? Is this only something you use in the winter? Um, and yeah, then I would say, I think a time limit's probably a good idea. Yeah. And then also, do you have certain spiritual entities that you want to be able to pass through the snow because they might need like some a psychic snowshoes or a uh, spiritual snow shovel or snow plow in order to get through to you. Um, or you dig a little tunnel that's hidden from them. You know, you're thinking about the ways that the, the energies that you want to reach you, how they can traverse the snow because snow is pretty, you know, snow is, is pretty, um, uh, pretty uh, like objective it keeps out whatever it keeps out it's not really you know invested in anything unlike you know gates and doors which are used to being opened by certain people with keys and access points and passwords and stuff like that snow doesn't have any of those things so those are some of the things you may want to keep in mind when using it as a defense spell but especially if you're like going through some shit with people and you want to keep all those energies out and you're like, listen, this is only for the next two weeks till I can get through this, you know, the family reunion or the stupid work project, or by I can let my meds start working again, then, you know, building a little building that almost like an igloo around you where really nothing can get in except you, that might be great for a time. And then maybe, you know, have a plan for what to do with that, like when to take it down or when to let it melt. It's probably the kind of spell that would melt on its own. So be ready for what other kinds of defenses you want to have up. I think it, now that I'm thinking out loud, I feel like if you build a, if you build a defense spell with snow, maybe use that as like, these are my walls, my temporary walls while I'm working on something more permanent with nails and spikes and barbed wire and passwords and stuff like that. Mm, so you yeah. can be working on your, your long-term defense goals while you've got, you know, the snow, the, the snow spell wrapped around you. So those are just my thoughts for snow magic. And now I really hope we have some more snow before the end of this month, because now I want to do a snow defense magic spell. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think too, I mean, the other thing is if you do freeze it, you know, you could, um, so my suggestion would be if you're going to freeze it, maybe go to the dollar store or to the supermarket and get a cheap ice tray. Um, oh, if you yeah. collect a bit, if you collect quite a bit of it, you can put it in the ice tray and then you have little bits of it you can use in things. And then again, you can watch it melt. So you, part of the spell you're doing or part of the thing you're doing can be the process of it melting also. Or you could use it in a, a ritual in that sense. So there you go. Those are our thoughts, friend. There it is. Um, but yeah. We could just go to sponsors now if we wanted or if, unless Kanani has anything else she wants to rant about. I have nothing of value. I still have the frozen... <laughs> corn dog 
dancing vision in my head that is oh my god alone it's gonna keep me up at night it's not it wasn't it wasn't good oh my god well um she's too much your mother I, I, I just fear what Nugget will eventually end up dancing with because there are things I don't like to mention about my past. You have penguins in yours, and now your child dances with corn dogs. Now there's corn dogs. Now that was there like, is it was as traumatizing dogs. as the penguin dance. I'll be honest. It was it was unpleasant and the the joy on her face was was very uh unsettling. Yeah, well, it's just kinda it's it's like if I try to take a nap anywhere near the vicinity of my daughter. Like, I could be sitting there folding laundry, and she's in her bassinet, and she does not give a shit. But as soon as I lay my head down for a nap, she's like, oh, hell no. You know, and and your daughter has no use for you whatsoever except as your sh- as a chauffeur until you start recording the podcast. And then she needs all your attention. Oh, yeah. She hasn't spoken to me since she got home. But the second I sat down, all of a sudden, now she needs to know, how do you cook a frozen corn dog? And uh, Okay. Well, <laughs> oh, my know. God. This is my life. This is my life. Well... With corn dogs in mind, <laughs> do you think it's time for a message from? I don't know why I just said that, but I think it's probably time for. Please let our sponsors save us. Yes, yes please. We need a corn dog sponsor. Is there anyone out there that sells frozen yeah, corn dogs? Selling that corn dogs. That would be fantastic. Okay. That would be fantastic. But yeah, uh, we're excited to have you listen to our sponsors. <laughs> Well, it's 2023, and what better way to ring in the new year than with some new rings? Rings, necklaces, and all the pretty shiny things you could possibly hope for to bring in your new 2023 good luck. New year, new jewelry is my motto. I think no one's surprised by that. And Blessed Be Magic is the perfect place to fulfill all of your jewelry dreams. And by you, I also 100% mean me. Yes, Blessed Me Magic creates discreet, beautiful talisman jewelry for witches to remind them of their magic. They have over 700 five-star reviews. Count that, 700, and they ship worldwide with fast, free shipping within the USA. Gift giving is my favorite part of everything. I do it throughout the year and being able to shop for my favorite witches with a company that makes jewelry for witches like me is just phenomenal. I get compliments on my pieces all the time. And just yesterday when I was ordering coffee, the barista noticed my Hecate ring and was grilling me trying to find out where I bought them. And I told them all about Blessed Be Magic and where I got my ring. Truly, they have so many beautiful items to choose from. And they have a new collection, the Lilith collection, which is coming out, which includes an absolutely stunning Lilith signet ring. Oh, I cannot wait to put that in my shopping cart. One of the pieces I also really love is their Pinnacle Mini Pendant Necklace. It's a signature piece of theirs, and it is both elegant and minimalist. It is the perfect combination for today's witch. I have the Pentacle Mini Pendant Necklace, and I love it. I know I often wear my jewelry loud and all over the pl- all over the place, but there is something so classic about this necklace. You're right. It's elegant. And, and, and when I wear it with my Hecate ring, I love floating around town, feeling like I have this connection to my magic everywhere I go. I have totally hooked us and our listeners up and have created a discount code just for that witch life. So go to blessedbemagic.com. That's magic with a K. And use Witch Life 15. That's Witch Life 15 and save 15% on all full priced talisman jewelry. Trust me when I say that with as much shopping as you're about to do and all the presents you're about to buy, 
When you go to this site, you're going to really love that extra 15% off. That's right. Go be your badass witch selves. And thank you to Blessed Be Magic for being an episode sponsor. Spring is a ways a ways, y'all, at least where we are. It's going to be cold and rainy for several more months. What Hillary is trying to say is that it's tea drinking weather. All weather is tea drinking weather, especially if you are a fan of the Jasmine Pearl Tea Company. We are not making this up. Jasmine Pearl Tea is magical. Over the years, they have methodically tasted and studied thousands of different teas in search of the most delicious and interesting examples available. All of their signature blends are are handcrafted on site in small batches following a perfected proprietary five-step process starting with setting an intention. Literally everyone we have introduced the Jasmine Pearl Tea Company to has been hooked on it. From roasting chai spices in-house to sourcing exquisite Italian bergamot oil from for Earl Grey, Jasmine Pearl Tea Company's signature blends range from totally unique to inspired versions of the classics. Once blended, their loose leaf teas are carefully packed, sealed, and lovingly shipped to your door. Yes, the Jasmine Pearl is mindful to not overflavor their blends, but instead lightly scent or embolden their natural essence so that the tea itself shines through. A deep understanding and familiarity with each element is also necessary as ingredients are selected to create balance within the brew. They have such a wide variety of teas. If you're like us, you're still in the throes of winter and crave something rich and smoky like their Lapsang Shushong, or if spring is already in your area and you're looking for something fruity or citrusy to drink over ice, the Jasmine Pearl will have what your witchy heart desires. Supporting small businesses is very important to us. And the Jasmine Pearl is a family-owned tea importer and specialty tea blender based right here in Portland, Oregon, who has been crafting tea blends for 17 years and direct sourcing teas from origin since 2004. Their blending and sourcing philosophy is based in the love of fine teas and herbs, which is why they focus on blending with exceptional ingredients, hand blending each batch using mainly organic ingredients, and it shows. This tea is so good. And it's literally turned me from a tea addict into like a literal raging psycho tea addict. Truth, truth, truth. Yes. <laughs> so check out these phenomenal teas at thejasminepearl.com and you can save 10% with coupon code WITCH2023. That's WITCH2023. You get free shipping on orders over $35 and, you know, go ahead and let them know you heard about them on That Witch Life podcast. Thank you to the Jasmine Pearl for being an episode sponsor. Well, we're really excited to get uh, Monica Devane back on the show. Monica is a queer, indigenous, Latinx bruja and a homeschooling mom of two. Her Mayan and Taino roots play, play a big part in her craft. She has been married for 19 years and is currently living in Central Florida. She's a witch and a hearth witch. Her home is her sacred space, and she loves to bake vegan food for her friends and family. You will usually find her crafting something new, raising monarchs, gardening, reading, dancing, hiking, camping, and hanging out on the beach or springs. Monica works for Veggie Mijas, which is a woman of color, non-binary POC collective that focuses on veganism. Decolonization and environmental justice. She's a geek and an activist and is teaching her boys to do so much good in this world, which is amazing. And we're so excited to have you back on. I'm so excited to be back. 
before we even recorded, we said, well, you know what's great about Monica? One, she's been on the show before. She's part of our TWO Witch Squad. She's been our friend for a million years. So we don't have to tell her that we're a dumpster fire shit show. Yes, she, she knows what knows. she's getting into. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so therefore, she God knows. And I she love knows. it. I love it. She's already aware. <laughs> she already knows. Um, well, Monica, how have you been? What, I mean, what is new in your world? It's been a while since we've talked to you. And what have you been doing? Um, yeah, it has been a while. Um, let me see. <laughs> Mostly, I want to say last year was really about healing. So I had have had some womb issues. Um, what I feel like it, it's probably endometriosis. Um, but I cannot, I don't have insurance. So I can't go get surgery and get that confirmed. So I have been like on a year long healing journey, um, focusing on myself and my self care, which can be really hard as a homeschooling mom of two. Um, but yeah, I've really been focusing on that. And I feel like this year is my year to like, I'm still, you know, practicing all my healing practices. Like I, I do yoni steaming. I drink, I actually have my womb healing tea with me right now. Um, eating, you know, nutritionally balanced meals, working out, you know, I'm doing all that stuff still, but now I feel like I'm at the point where I've kind of balanced a little more. It's not so extreme, my pain, and I'm getting a lot more better days. So I'm focusing now on strengthening and thriving this year. My God, people who have never had wombs. Oh my God. Who have never had wombs. I'm looking at you, people born as men who still identify as men. Like, <laughs> wombs, when they fuck with you, they fuck with you. So oh my bad. God. Oh, I, everything is like disruptive. It's actually the sixth vital sign, you know, which is why anytime you go to the doctor, they're like, oh, when did you last menstruate? All this stuff, because it tells so much about your body. And it really was out of, out of whack, you know, and I usually, I keep up with a lot of practices, but I think during the pandemic, I had gotten so stressed out. Um, and I, I know a lot of us did, but just, there was so much of an imbalance in my life where I had, I was giving too much of myself and I had let go of taking care of myself. And it was, it forced me to center myself and say, okay, I cannot give from an empty cup. And so, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Oh yeah. Sometimes the body is like, oh, you're not going to take care of it. Well, I am like, I'm dealing with, I'm literally, literally (laughs) I'm literally sitting on a heating pad right now. So I'm like, here you. Me too. Me too. (laughs) And you said my mood's coming. (laughs) I was like, all right, well, and same deal. Like, you know, this was a reminder that like, Hey, you're not invincible. You can't not sleep and, and not take care of yourself because then we're going to knock you down. And so, uh, I totally appreciate that. And I think it's a really important, I mean, I think that, um, as witches, especially people, I mean, especially busy witches, right. I think it's a really important thing to carve out time for yourself, both on a spiritual level, but also on a physical level and make sure that you're not deprioritizing because there's no way you can do good magic if you are like completely empty, you know? Yes, I absolutely agree. In fact, I literally have, I've scheduled once a week, every week I have what, what I call my Senora Sunday. So, um, it's a oh, bit of I a joke. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, you know what so I mean? Good. But like Senora's like an older woman, like really someone's coming to their womanhood. And yeah, yeah. so like, okay, so my Senora self-care Sunday, like I always uh, do a yoga stretch. I take um, a healing bath. Um, I, I really heavily focus every week on self-care so that I can like hit the ground running when it comes to Monday. And now that I have like forced myself to do more self-care, it has definitely paid off in overall mental and physical health. That's fantastic. I'm so glad that you've taken the time to do that. It's just such an, such an important and often like forgotten about piece uh, that I think that I'm really happy you've focused on. It's also definitely a trick of the patriarchy is to make you believe that either you don't have time or you don't, yes. you're not worthy of it and that you should just keep working and keep producing. So that is about to send me down my anti-capitalist rabbit hole, but I, I hope y'all can feel where I'm going with that. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I think that like there's this, um, there's this pressure that I think happens that's like, well, are you doing enough? Are you like... Like why have you could be doing more, you could be making more money, you could be working more, you could be cleaning more, you could be doing more, you could be working on house projects more, you could be paying more attention to your kids, your pets, to your whatever. And it's like, okay, right. Those are all really fucking awesome things that cannot exist if you are a puddle on the floor, like, you know, like zero of those things. And I mean, I totally, I like did, I mean, and it's funny because I, I feel like I t- tell everyone these things so often. And then just the last couple of weeks, I just like spread myself way too thin. And I kept thinking, you know, okay, no, I'm just going to, I'm definitely going to take time for myself. And then I kept putting it off and kept putting it off. And my body was like, nope, you're done. Sit your ass down. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> and so it's like, <laughs> oh my God. And you're like, damn it. I just needed one more day. But it's really like that pressure to, do more, make more, do it better and do it with less like, and and make it look easy is like some fucking absolute capitalist garbage, you know? Um, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not a realistic standard for everyone. And so I remember once having a therapy session with my, (laughs) with my therapist and I was like, sobbing because I was like, my house is a mess and I just feel so overwhelmed and I'm just like, I can't even do anything, blah, blah, you know? And she's like, well, maybe you could get some friends to come over and like help you out. I was like, no, I could never let them in my house looking like this. And honestly, like it wasn't even that bad, but even if it was, you know, like it was all this pressure I put on myself and she's like, I want you to stop and I want you to flip off the mess in your home because that is some capitalist bullshit. Like pristineness is capitalist bullshit. And I was like, fuck, you are so right. You know, and it is like, that is something to strive for pristineness is unrealistic and not good for our mental health. So I'm all for like, yeah, I look around right now and I was like, oh yeah, my house is a mess. And I was like, well, it's just going to have to wait. It's what it is, you know? Yeah, sometimes um, you just have to put yourself first and other things like, you know, doing laundry or taking care of like cleaning the house, it can hold off for a day or two. Just yeah, schedule in time, like honor your body enough to like respect it enough to give it the rest that it needs. Because when you don't, like you said, your body just shuts down. I mean, would you treat another friend that way? Would you say, hey, keep working, no. keep working? No, you wouldn't. So why do we do that to ourselves? You know? 
Well, and that's what she said. She was like, would you go over to a friend's house that was just spread thin and then like look at their house and judge them because it was a mess? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, if any of your friends would do that, do that, which I'm sure they wouldn't, if they would, you would just throw them away because they're trash friends. They would be garbage friends. Garbage <laughs> friends. So like, you know, and like, yes, we do have to get those things done. Yes. But like, I agree that like, you know, like you can make so like, you know, you can make a really boring sandwich today because you don't have time to make a full meal. You know, you can make, you can, you know, wear your sweatpants to bed one more time because, you know, you can, the laundry can wait till tomorrow. It's just like, you know, I think it's just what it is. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and that's, uh, it's actually something that, um, my husband and I did this past weekend. It was his birthday and I asked him what he wanted to do for his birthday. And he said, I really want to clean the house because the house was really dirty. We've been taking care of the baby. He's back at work. And um, I've <laughs> I've not been able to clean even though I'm on leave um, because I'm taking care of this little one. And um, I said, okay, well, then for your birthday, we'll clean the house. And then I thought about it. And I said, what if I invite some friends over to help us? And he said, sure. And so I put a text out to some friends, including Kanani and Hillary, and said, okay, well, for, for my husband's birthday, he wants a clean house. So would anyone be interested in coming over for a cleaning party? Stay as long as you want, do as little or as much as you want. And also if you don't want to clean, you can hold a baby while I clean, which is also a gift and friends showed up and they cleaned our house and it looked really great. Like two hours. That's all. Whereas it would have taken us all weekend to do all that our friends did in two hours. And I went out and got really good donuts for everyone. So that was great. And some people just held the baby while I was able to go through mail clutter, things that I have not been able to do. So I also really highly recommend cleaning parties to your friends because people love cleaning other people's houses more than they love cleaning their homes. Oh my God. It's very weird. I do. (laughs) All day, every day. I was that person. (laughs) No, like every time, I'll never forget, like I had guy friends, like when I was in my early early twenties. And I'd come over and I'd be like, what is your bathroom? This is like, not okay. Like, this is like the grossest bathroom I've ever seen. Like, I'm not even going to go in there. And the thing is, is I wouldn't be a day. I mean, I wouldn't say that to them outwardly because that'd be really rude. But I just remember being like, why are men so gross? Oh, no, no. These were straight men in their early twenties. They needed to hear they that. They needed to hear it. So, oh, but like, it would have been a compassionate choice is to be honest with them. Oh yeah. That's when you say I have literally sent out a memo and until this is taken care of, no women will date you. I'm just letting you know this right yeah. now. We have had a communal discussion. The signal has gone there out. Was a, there was, there a, was vote. a woman meeting where we said, don't, yeah. don't fuck There's a vote. <laughs> filthy. Fix it or you're done. These I was are your there. Choices. Monica was there, right? We were all at that meeting. It's like, this is what the bathroom looks like. And then it's like, do you want to have sex with that? And you're like, ew, no. Uh, but you know, it's, you know, I, but I remember I'd go and I would like blitz their bathroom and then I'd have to do like wipe the counter in mine. And I'd be like, Oh, I can't, you know, like it's the most, it's so dumb. But Courtney and I were just talking about this earlier, how we should like normalize just being like, Hey, you want to come over to my house this weekend? And then like, you know, sometimes I will just invite, I'm like, can you just come and sit and talk to me while you don't even have to clean? Like, can you just sit and talk to me and occupy my brain while and I clean. Time, will they'll get up and clean. Like if you're cleaning, they're going to help you. Like that's hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. I usually actually put like dance music on because I like that too. Yes. definitely you put music on, like you are at a club and you clean house. Like we're all talking about this. Cause this is literally something I did over this weekend. I stayed with a friend over the weekend and she has, you know, really struggled because she's a single mom and she never has time. And when she does get home, the last thing she wants to do is touch anything. 
And so we literally went through her entire, her huge dining room area, cleaned off her dining room table. I set up a homework station for her son. I set up a coffee station, which I now envy and did all these things. And we did, we literally, that's all we did was we drank wine. We lit some candles and played Spotify and listened to music for hours and just did all of this while chatting and gossiping and having fun. And it was amazing. And then the next morning we woke up and she was like, oh my gosh, you look so good. Oh yeah, it's the best. And I had a blast. Whereas my house, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, here's something else you can do is put on some fairy wings when you clean. Like- I don't yeah. know what it is. A former covenor came and spent the night at my house once, and I had to get up early the next day and clean the house before the coven came over. And they had brought they had brought fairy wings because they'd been at some party, and I just put on their fairy wings and started cleaning the house. And let me tell you how fast you work when you're wearing fairy wings. It's a thing. <laughs> put on your dance music and your fairy wings, and your house is going to be spotless, and it's super fun. I actually believe that. I know. I feel like I should definitely do that now. I, I know. I'm like, why too. have carrot yeah. up tiara wings? I know. I'm like, yeah, why have on your fairy that? stuff and like go go fucking destroy your house in a good way. <laughs> I'm like, I I've fucking I've I've been fucking it up all this time. Clearly, clearly. Um, okay, so I really okay. I'm really excited because I obviously we know that you raise monarchs, um, and I love butterflies, uh, and I like monarchs especially. I think they're so beautiful. What, I mean, have you always been drawn to butterflies? Has that been something that's been, you know, part of, part of you since you were little? I, yes, I have always loved butterflies, but specifically when I learned about monarchs and how incredible they are, um, just as a species alone, I mean, their migration and as like, while I'm raising them, I've had to study a lot about them. So I think that anyone who really raises monarchs starts to become like a bit of an expert on monarchs and finding out so much more information about it. It's like, it's science, but it's still magic to me. It never, ever gets old when I see one eclosing out of a chrysalis. I mean, it is the most magical thing I I will ever see, honestly, other than probably birth. <laughs> but um, Similar yeah, though, um, magic, you know? Similar magic, yes. I mean, it's fascinating how, you know, these little hungry caterpillars completely metamorphose. I mean, like when you think about it, they completely lose their body. When you see the process, like their outside skin is what becomes the chrysalis and inside is just goo. And yet they still have their memories and they pass on, you know, their instinct to um, both, you know, for the next generation and not just for that, depending on what monarch generation you're at, um, where for the migration pattern, when to start. Um, because it usually starts around like uh, October, especially like over here in Florida, like we kind of get in central Florida, some migrating ones. Um, but yeah, like it is incredibly fascinating. And it's just, for me, I've always found it beautiful. And in my culture also, when you see a butterfly, it is usually a spirit. And in a lot of cultures, I feel like you'll, you'll find that as well. It represents a spirit coming to say hi. What, when did you first start raising the butterflies? Was that a more recent thing or have you been doing that for a while? Um, when we finally moved into this town home, we had a garden 
And immediately I was like, I've got space. I can do it. And I have a small garden, but it is mighty and it is quite the ecosystem. And I'm very proud of it. Um, we have a bunch of milkweed, but it's not, I mean, that's their host plant, what they need, but I didn't want to just attract one type. I wanted to attract all, I wanted to make an ecosystem. So I have a ton of nectaring plants for all butterflies and pollinators to come. I've gotten hummingbirds. I've gotten all types of bees, both native and honeybees, carpenter bees, um, bumblebees. It's been amazing to watch. And like I said, it's, I think we moved here around like 2017. So yeah, I want to say probably 2018 is when I started like fully diving into raising monarchs. That's amazing. I, I have a friend that I have another friend that also raises, um, I think, I don't know if it's monarchs, but definitely butterflies. I think monarchs also, but, um, it's been, it's like fascinating. I like have learned so much from her about like so much more than I, like I knew the process ish just from like being really into butterflies when I was younger, but, um, it is like really amazing to watch like the whole process in raising them as well. And like what that's like for her. It's so cool. So I'm curious about their migration because you you talked about that and I've I've heard things, you know, like they, it takes five generations of the monarch to get to, I guess the 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 southernmost point of their migration. And I've also heard a story, um, and Monica, maybe you know this and can tell verify if it's true or not, is that there were some um, biologists that were studying this strange migration pattern of butterflies and whether these were monarchs or a different butterfly. And they kind of curved to either the west or the east. They just had this very, like a semicircle, every single in the same part of the coastline or wherever they were going down. I, I think it was in California. And um, then they realized later that there used to be a mountain in that spot. And the, the butterflies had been migrating around that mountain for millions of years, or their ancestors had been migrating around it for millions of years. And eventually the mountain wore away, but that migratory pattern was still there. So you know, I don't, I don't know if that's a true story. And so I'm wondering if you've heard it and if you can verify that. I haven't heard of that specific um, story. Although honestly, with monarchs, I wouldn't be surprised because again, their migration is absolutely incredible. Um, they do kind of like, if you're looking at a map of North America, they do kind of have this curve, but also they'll also fly to like South Florida because it's warm enough, you know, but most of them are going to be entering Mexico and they all just like plant themselves there. And it does take five generations and it's not even five generations of them like moving down South. They can be in the same area. And that fifth generation is the one that's going to go, do that migration, that massive migration. And that's what I find so fascinating. Cause like, here's this little caterpillar. I call them my gordos when they're like that big. <laughs> um, uh, here are these caterpillars and they completely turn into goo. They completely turn into something else. That's so incredible. And it does that five times they go through, they go find the mate, they go have more babies, you know, they go. So five generations and they retain this information of when it's time to go migrate and where to go migrate to. And that for me is absolutely magical. 
That's a piece that I didn't know. I always assumed that it was like, okay, so, you know, grand, great, great, great grandpa is going to be going down from British Columbia to Seattle, and they're going to have the babies, and they're going to make it to Portland, and then they, you know, go down, go down the coast from there. But you're saying that it's like you got a little butterfly village that they make they have babies and it's, it's every fifth generation says, okay, you're the one that's going to go do It's going to fly South. And we have, so because we've done it for so long, we have noticed patterns and some people will actually tag their butterflies and they'll see them, you know, they'll have them come back into their garden. So we actually had two years in a row, we've had a territorial male and the first one we had, we called him Rowan and he lasted for nine weeks. And they usually live about eight weeks, but nine weeks he fought off that the garden, fought off any other males because he was looking for a female. All the females would come, drop eggs. They weren't wanting to mate. And then we finally saw he got a mate and that was the end of his life cycle. He found his mate and she came, dropped babies. But it's like, we notice when some of them will come back because sometimes like if one wing could be a little bit lighter or like we just know. And Rowan was awesome because he would like fly around me and the kids because we were always outside and kind of say his hello and then like zoom off as soon as he sees another male, you know? So like they are absolutely incredible. I just never imagined the lethal butterflies. I think about the, there was, there's a, there's a world in, um, the game of Thrones world in the song of ice and fire where they have these deadly butterflies. Um, and, um, like the only the native people can live there because they, they have an immunity to the venom, but everybody else that goes to the butterfly Island dies. Like (laughs) it's a whole thing. And, and then I'm like, well, actually, but there are, but these butterflies, like you've got this really badass monarch who's, you know, kicking the ass of all the other monarchs. Like he's, <laughs> Oh my gosh. So Rowan, so I call him my territorial uh, fae bastard. Um, <laughs> and territorial one bastard. of our books. Yeah. One of my favorite series. That's where I got the name from. It's like, he's such a territorial bastard. So we called him Rowan. And so, um, yeah, he, we, I literally, cause I would release, um, the monarchs outside. I keep them in an enclosure for their own safety because, because I have a good ecosystem. Some of the chrysalis will get eaten by whether rats or lizards. So I keep them in an enclosure and when they're ready to go, I release them and that, the kids help me to release them. And with Rowan, he would zoom right in and grab a male. And I was like, no, 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 let him go. <laughs> it's like, it was the funniest thing, but like, like you said, you wouldn't necessarily think that they would be like aggressive in that manner, but yeah, they, when they claim a garden, like that's their spot, they'll constantly come, come back and forth, you know, and, um, we'll have, I remember that there was one female we had that we released and she came back and she dropped off her eggs. I was like, she trusted me enough with her babies. So I love that so much. Yeah, and to them, you're like this this ancient, ancient being who has lived through many, many lifetimes. And they're like, give it to the great grandmother human who will care for them. She is immortal. She lives for thousands of butterfly years. I never thought about it that way. I love that, though, so much. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Do you... So, okay, so we you mentioned a, a, just a little bit ago that, um, you know, seeing a butterfly can often represent a spirit. Is mm-hmm. there, are there any other, is, are there any other things that uh, butterflies signify magically or are there any other things that we should pay attention to when we see butterflies? Butterflies for me are a symbol of transformation. 
for obvious reasons. Um, a symbol of hope. Um, for me, when I see, when I'm like, when I'm graced by the presence of a butterfly, not even necessarily monarch, although monarchs, of course, make me like squee, yeah. but <laughs> any butterfly that comes my way and flutters around me, I stop and take note what the butterfly is. Like, uh, is it a black swallowtail? Is it a tiger swallowtail? Is it a monarch? Is it a gold fertility? You know, I usually point it out to my kids too. Um, and for me, that's, that's a sign of number one, what is around me, you know, um, in terms of the earth, like, okay, I'm seeing this specific butterfly here. Is there a host plant nearby? Like what, like, is there a garden nearby? So number one, it, it tells me about my surroundings a little bit more. And number two, I do find it as kind of like a confirmation at times of just like, Hey, we see you and just kind of giving me back a little bit of hope, you know, for me, butterflies have always, have always been about transformation and definitely during springtime, it's even more powerful. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, I get kind of frustrated with um, some of these websites that every single animal moment that somebody has represents transformation, whether it's a deer or an elk or a bird. But I feel like for me, that is the one that's a absolutely butterfly is absolutely a symbol of transformation for that very reason you mentioned, because their bodies turn to goo, like their entire body turns to goo. And then they become something so beautiful. And to watch them. Oh my gosh. I literally, especially with a monarch chrysalis. So they are beautiful green with gold, with gold guys. You know, most of most, most chrysalises, like absolutely camouflage for safety reasons, but not a monarch. You know, there's very few chrysalises that will stand out. And like I said, it's green with gold. And as they progress, and it takes about like, I want to say like 10 days. If it's colder, it might like, depends really on the temperature. Let's say it's like seven to 10 days, you know, Um, as it progresses, you see like the wings forming, you see where the eyes are going to be, the antennae, everything. And then it becomes clear right before they're ready to close. And you can see this tiny little body with the tiniest little wings. And when you see it come out, it is this tiny shriveled up little thing. It doesn't even look like it's anything super glorious. And you just give it a little bit of time, which is a lesson in itself. Give it a little patience. And then you see it flapping its wings nice and slow and pumping fluid from its body into its wings, and you see its wings grow and become magnificent. And then when it's ready, it flies off. And like I said, it never, ever gets old. It's so amazing and fantastic. And I always I always appreciate the ones that actually allow me to hold them. They don't all mm-hmm. want me to hold them, and that's okay. They want to fly off and immediately go have a snack because they've just done some really, really hard work. But sometimes they'll come to me, they'll land on my shoulder. I've had one like on my face and hair. I think I have a picture of like three butterflies on me <laughs> at one time. And I was like, oh my gosh, someone take a picture. This has never happened before. <laughs> but it is, it is such, oh my gosh, it's such an amazing feeling to know that number one, like, because they're an endangered species, um, that I'm doing this, I'm doing this amazing thing for them. But also like, I I just get this sense of like absolute hope, like 
within the world, you know, just from I'm curious to, to know how has raising butterflies impacted your witchcraft? What has that done for you as a witch and a magic practitioner? Do you mean like, as in what I collect? <laughs> because like I have, I collect their chrysalises when they are done with them and their silk. And I have used that for spells. And I have like a small jar. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Because of course, why not? (laughs) I am like the little hoarder of like when a snake leaves skin on my garden, when I have empty chrysalises, I'm like, gimme, 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 and put it all in little jars. So when I need it for spell work, it's in the cupboard. (laughs) So, I mean, I have used them. I have used them in that way um, in order to amplify my my magic because I work specifically so closely with monarchs. I mean, I have raised swallowtails as well, but they kind of weird me out <laughs> because when they are threatened, they emit this very strong smell. Oh, it's such a oh, strong weird. smell. Like, it's because of the... Okay, so... For example, I mean, it's fine. I do too. I mean, I'm not going to judge. I'm just, that's well, also like, kind of my self defense mechanisms. Just release a smell. It's good. It works. It's effective. It's highly effective. I'm highly saying effective. it really is. It works. It's worked for me for years. <laughs> so, like, specifically, black swallowtails, we get them a lot. They eat rue, uh, parsley, and dill. Rue is a very strong smelling herb. Um, so imagine a tiny little caterpillar completely devouring that plant. And then as you'd be like, oh, it's so cute and cute. Let me go touch it. And it sticks out like it looks like a forked tongue, like a snake, because that's its defense mechanism. And then the smell hits you and you're just like, oh, you're going to stay right there. And you're fine. I don't need to touch you. <laughs> that makes me so happy. So Monica has now told us that some butterflies are stinky. So stinky butterflies are freaky. Okay, now we know. Oh, they're butterflies. Like I said, they they are so incredible in the point that like they have all these different amazing ways to defend themselves. Like monarchs eat milkweed, and if a bird tries to eat it, it's very toxic to them. It's very bitter. They will spit it out, and they'll like never do it again. You know. And then, like I said, the swallowtails emit a very powerful smell. They all have their own way of surviving because they are good snacks for lots of birds, you know, and even lots of lizards as well. So, you know, being able to get them into my garden and seeing them and their whole life cycle, it's such an honor. It really, really is. And for me, it's also like, it's a sign that my garden also has magic within it. Not just the fact that there's plants growing, but that there's magic within my my garden, that my ecosystem within my garden is thriving. And again, it's a small garden, but yet when I walk around or I'm, I'm jogging around the neighborhood, I notice the difference of like lushness, <laughs> you know, like it really is like a haven for birds, for butterflies, for bees, for hummingbirds. And within my community, there's like maybe like, three other houses that will have anything like that, that would even have milkweed. So I'm, like I said, for me to see that, to know that they've made their way past all the houses to come find my, my garden in order to lay their babies or just sip on some nectar. To me, it's a sign of that there's magic within that garden. 
I know that when I sit out in my own garden and I have like when butterflies visit or for me, hummingbirds are really special. Like it's this moment of like, you feel so, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It just, it's, it, it feels so magical because it feels so alive. Like you're seeing all these, like the bees coming. I mean, I love that. Like I'll sit out in the back all the, when all the flowers are blooming and I see like the bees coming in and then I see butterflies coming in and then I see hummingbird, you know, and it's just like, I don't know. There's something that's so that makes you feel so connected to everything in that moment. So I love that. Yeah, that's definitely my favorite thing to do, especially like actually at dawn and dusk is my favorite time to go out into the garden and just sit there and just watch. Or even when I'm having breakfast with my family, we leave the window open um, and like we have a screen door. So we'll actually open the door, leave the screen because if not, the cats will run out. And we watch all the birds. We watch the butterflies and we notice the bees. And, you know, at dusk, I have a, it's called a hummingbird moth that comes and visits. I've had a sphinx moth, which was incredible. Um, but yeah, just sitting in the garden just for a few minutes, you know, at dawn and dusk, you'll see so much. And for me, it's, it's quite the honor to be able to see all those visitors come. I don't, I, you know, we get butterflies every now and then, but the, my favorite like moment I've ever had with a butterfly was, I think my son was four or five and we were at the gay pride parade in Portland downtown and we were marching in the parade and he had on this, this snazzy little outfit with little rainbow, uh, overall or not overalls, but little suspenders and a little bow tie and a little hat. And he just looked so cute. And we were waiting for the parade to start. And so we're kind of walking around, we're seeing all the different floats and we're having fun. And, and all of a sudden a butterfly landed right on his cap and just sat there. And I'm immediately like, (laughs) so I'm like fumbling through my, I'm trying to find my phone. Like, God damn, it's really already gone. And I finally find my phone and I'm like, (gasps) and I start snapping pictures and it was still there like four minutes later. My son's like, I don't know what to do. And it just, it wouldn't leave. It was just, it, that's where it, it was there. That's where it was. Like, and it I'm literally sat on his hat as we walked around for like another like four minutes. Oh my and I God. Took, like, I'll post pictures on Patreon. Um, I took like a thousand pictures because I kept waiting for it to fly away. And it was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Oh my gosh. a good gosh. kid. And so we ended up, you know, it actually stayed on his hat, just hanging out with us for, you know, three or four minutes. And it was just incredible. It was just the most amazing, beautiful moment. It was just like, there was, I don't know, there was just something so, you know, it was a special day. It was a special event. It's something I like, you know, having my kids attend and be a part of and understand. And, and then just to have this kind of like beautiful moment, like happen, you know, in the middle was just like, I, I, I don't know how to explain it other than it does feel there's something about it. I don't know why, but butterflies feel like magic. They just it do. Is. Yeah. Like, and when like they visit, it feel you can't help but feel like something special is happening right now. And I want I want to explain also like for someone who doesn't like hang around butterflies that much, that's a very rare occurrence. Unless you have like super sweaty skin. And like, you know, like sometimes you're in like one of those butterfly things and like a museum exhibit or something. Sure, sure. If you stay very still and you start getting a sweat on you, you know, or you have like an orange that you could put on your hand, you know, they don't necessarily just stop and like be on you. 
you know, unless you're like put in a situation like that. So for a butterfly to just come out of nowhere and land on you is, in my opinion, highly magical. Like it is sending you a definite signal. Hello, I'm here. And again, for me, it's definitely something of magic and hope. And especially in in such a setting for Pride Parade, oh my gosh, I I probably would have cried if that was me. Uh, Same. (laughs) I would have burst into tears. It was, was, you know, there are a few moments where you're, there aren't many moments in life, honestly, I think where you're awestruck, right? And I was, I was I, I never had, I've never had a butterfly land on me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just one of those moments that just like you said, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. So when it's happening, you feel like you're, you're, you're a part of something. Something is happening right now. That's, that's unique and special and, and incredible. And, um, I'll, I have to, I'll have to, I'll find the pictures. I'll post them on Patreon. Cause like I said, and his smile, of course, he just looks all dapper and he's got the, just the best smile. And there's just this butterfly just you know, fully open, wings spread, just chillaxing right on his hat, just happy as can be. And it was just, it was, it was amazing. That reminds me of, um, when I listened to Hecate's call, (laughs) um, I kind of like, okay, I'm, especially after I read Courtney's book, I'm like, all right, she's been knocking on my door for a very long time. And so I went to my favorite park and I found a natural crossroads and, um, I gave her an offering and I'm kind of like thinking sometimes like when you do that, when you're starting a new relationship, you're like, did I do that right? Like, okay, um, let me just like, you know, I can't change it now kind of thing. And I hiked all the way back um, to where my family was at a playground and all of a sudden out of nowhere, a Luna moth was there. And I was like, Oh my gosh, holy crap. Like, in Florida specifically, like you, it's very rare to see one. And I was able to pick it up and hold it and everything. And I was like, this is a Luna moth. I'm like, you don't understand. Guys, you don't understand. It's a Luna moth. We are like seeing, like, I was like, in its adult form, it does not eat. Its only purpose is to mate and then it dies off. And I was just like, nobody, like, it's very, very rare to see these. And I was just like, oh my, I was like, this is, got to be a sign. I was like, what are the odds of a Luna moth just being right there as I come out of the forest, out of this path? Yeah, that's wild. So wild. Like I said, like butterflies and moth, because they are, they are pretty much the same. I mean, with few variances, but they are definitely signs. They're definitely magical signs. And in Kanani's experience, she was unable to pretend like she doesn't have feelings. I know. And, you know, she tries so hard. Exactly. Even I couldn't pretend, even even I couldn't be dead inside in that moment. And that says everything. I mean, it's it's crazy. <laughs> Do you, so for people that maybe aren't uh, like either raising butterflies or maybe they're in areas where they wouldn't necessarily be outside or interact with butterflies, is are they still able to like connect with butterflies in different ways? How can they call that energy into their magic? That's a good question. Um, I feel like, or is that possible? It might not be, but seed, you know, seed bombing. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard of that. Um, no, totally. Oh, yes. 
Yeah. So I'm not saying like go spread like invasive like flowers everywhere, but like no, like please know what the fuck you're putting in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like please. But I mean, like there, for example, milkweed. I've seen a lot of the monarch groups. There will be like fields of of like milkweed, and someone will come and just cut it all down, and that is one of the main reasons that in pesticides is one of the main reasons why monarchs specifically are struggling as a species, but it affects all butterflies. So even if you can't raise them, being able to provide food for them. So any kind of flowering plant, or even if you have the opportunity to spread, like if you have, you know, depending on what area in, you could either spread the tropical milkweed seed or the common milkweed and those things grow pretty big. Um, but yeah, definitely please know what you're spreading first and what zone you're in before like going crazy, but providing nectar for them is a way to connect with them. And honestly, sometimes like, I feel like when you're doing rituals and meditations, sometimes signs will just come up in the form of a butterfly just coming along to say hi or crossing your path. It's just whatever sign that you're looking for, it'll, it'll show up. And it'll be that confirmation for you. So I don't think that you necessarily have to raise butterflies in order to work with them or even appreciate them. But, you know, sometimes magic will find you in the rarest of places, like a pride parade, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that to be grateful for, for them and for the sign and whatever magic they're offering to give back in forms of, if you can, plant their host plant or to provide nectar for them. That's such a beautiful way to like honor them and also offer them something in return. I love that. And it's a good way too, because like, you know, I mean, most of us will see butterflies occasionally out in the wild, you know, but like, but that's not always something that, you know, we are going to interact with on a day-to-day basis. So that's like a beautiful way to like connect energetically as a thank you or even as to honor just in general. I really like that. So, okay. So what is, what is next for you? What, what do you have coming up? Uh, is there anything exciting we should know about? Uh, yeah. What's, what's next? (laughs) I don't really know. (laughs) That's totally okay too. I mean, like, to be honest, um, like I said, last year was all about healing for me. And this year is, more about thriving and gaining back my strength. So the only thing that I have planned is pretty much that. And I've also been leading um, book club a lot with Veggie Mijas. So like like this month, we're reading uh, You Sound Like a White Girl um, by Ulisa Arce, which is a phenomenal book, and I highly recommend it for anyone. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I've been helping a lot, you know, with running book club and – I love it because I'm an absolute nerd. <laughs> Books are my I life. <laughs> love you and me both also nerd over here. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much what I have planned for this year. Just survive homeschooling. <laughs> that um, is an, a fair goal. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. That's, that's enough for most of us. It's more than <laughs> enough for most of us. I know. Right. And, uh, so people can remember, remind us where you, we can find you so people can go support you and see all the amazing things that you're doing. 
Well, you can find me on Facebook just by my name, Monica Devane. Um, you're going to see like M-O with a little acento on top of the O. Um, on Instagram and TikTok, it's under the Merwitch, like the underscore Mer underscore witch. Um, and oh yeah, I have an Etsy shop too. So I will update it periodically when I'm able to make some magical crafts. Um, I, I definitely have to update it cause I made a few things. <laughs> um, but yeah, usually when I sell my magical, like usually like jewelry or things you could put around your home, it'll be in my Etsy shop as well. And that is Merwitch Creations. Nice. I know. Go, please go check Monica, Monica out, out because she's got gorgeous stuff in there, y'all. Uh, go shop. She's so amazing. And yes. And it's been so nice to catch up with you. It's been far too long um, since we've had you on the podcast. And we just appreciate you sharing so much knowledge. And you, I mean, it's just, it's just like, what a magical conversation. And uh, we really appreciate you. And I know we know our listeners are going to love this episode. And for those of you listening, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye now. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to That Witch Life Podcast. Our music is by Dustin Schultz, editing by Corey Drake. If you like what we do, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee or check out our merch on our Etsy store or join us on Patreon for bonus content, ad-free episodes, or to join our witch squad. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit. We will talk to you next week. So mode it be.